thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So, uh, who likes an offer? Who likes an offer? Yeah, okay. I'm the son of a man who loved an offer, you know. Um, and I can remember when the kids were little, we went on holiday to America with Peter and Donna and their kids, and at breakfast, they served ice cream. And I said, Joe, you can't have ice cream for breakfast. And Peter said, it's free. You can have whatever you want. It's all you can eat. He said, who, are you your father's son? <laughs> you know? And actually, who likes a good offer? Who likes going after the yellow whoopsie stickers in the supermarket? Yeah, get some bargains. Okay, three for the price of two. Bog off. Buy one, get one free, for those of you who don't understand. Um, I quite like Dragon's Den. Yeah? The phrase, I'm out is often the, the death knell of any idea, isn't it? That they don't want to make an offer. You know, I even saw this picture uh, online. I think it should come up on the screen behind me. Hopefully. If it's there, is it there? Hey, Buckham. These are the sorts of offers that you can't refuse. It's a bit blurry. Vermicelli nests, 50p, or five for three pounds. There are loads of those. So when you go in a supermarket and you see those stickers and you think, oh, I'm getting a bargain, just read the small print. Because actually, yeah, that's Weetabix. Regularly. That's because you eat Weetabix. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> that would be all, all brand, wouldn't it, Mike? I'm just going to gauge what offers you would go for this morning, okay? So down the road, there's the gym. And uh, at the moment, the saying, it's a pound to join for this month. Who would like to go for that offer of a pound to join the gym? Hands up. Come on, let's participate. Those who've still got their hands up, will you actually go? Or you'll just pay a pound because it sounds like a good deal. Okay. A pound for the gym. How about this one? On the Whopper Burger King app, sorry, you can get two vegan burgers for 8 99 Anyone going for two vegan burgers? No, no, you're not going for these offers. But it's an offer. It's a bargain. One vegan meal, $6.99. But you know, there's only Gareth wants to go for it, and Tabby, if she was here, probably. Bottomless, it is a choice. Bottomless soft drinks or an all-you-can-eat buffet. So who would go for the bottomless soft drinks? Joel, yeah. Anyone go for the all-you-can-eat buffet? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too, that's why I'm like I am. But you see, an offer has to be accepted or rejected. Yeah, it's, it's an offer. It's not forced on you. You know, you don't go into Asda and see that picture and go, oh, I've got to buy six, five, I was working it out properly with the math then. I've got to buy five to make this worthwhile. Nobody's forcing the offer on you. It's an offer. And you can pick or choose whether you accept or reject that offer. And so those of you who've been coming for a while will know we've just finished a series on the Holy Spirit. And some of it is quite complex. So as we lead up to Easter and Easter Sunday, we're going to look back at Jesus. Every time uh, throughout the year when we do series, I make it sure that twice a year at least we go specifically to Jesus. 
Because, you know, it's all about Jesus. We've got to continue remind ourselves it's all about him. And so this series, as you see on the screen behind me, is called This Is Amazing Grace. We've sung that song this morning. Any of you who are a little bit older and not been to our church before, you'll know the song Amazing Grace. And so this series is based around the fact that Easter is the fact that it's all about this is amazing grace, the grace of God that gave his all for us. That's what grace is. You know, do we know the truth that we sing if we sing that song? Do we understand what we're singing? So today I want to unpack one of the lines, which is this, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? The king of glory. That's the answer. Who's the king of glory? Jesus. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? What is grace? If I said to you, what is grace? Explain it to me. Then actually, some of us would still be like, well, it's just grace. Some people might even say it's what you say before you eat. But that's a, I don't know, what, what, I presume that's just being thankful. But there's a clever way of remembering it. I've said before, grace, G-R-A-C-E, could stand for God's riches at Christ's expense. So God's riches for you at the expense of Jesus dying. I've just mixed up the letters there so it doesn't say grace, but anyway. God's riches at Christ's expense. Another God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. No, I, I said it a different way. I'm being heckled this morning. Okay. Another way of thinking about grace is when we're blessed and we don't deserve it. I think somebody once told the story of grace and mercy, like going into the headmaster's office at school, and the headmaster says, right, I've had phone calls. This wasn't a true story, I just want to stress. Mum, it wasn't a true story if you're watching. She's, not in, she's, she's in Manchester, just in case anyone's concerned. Um, but this wasn't a true story. You go into the headmaster's office and the headteacher says, I've had phone calls all morning about you. Apparently, you've thrown bricks through somebody's window, you've tormented other children, and actually, you really deserve to be thrown out. And then the head teacher goes, but we're going to let you off this time. That's mercy. That's when you don't get something that you do deserve. That's right, isn't it? Yeah? But then, on top of that, he says, and as well as letting you off, I'd like to give you £100. That's grace. Because you're getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. So grace is the fact that Jesus died for us this morning. He didn't die this morning, but he died for us <laughs> so that we could be saved. He died for us and rose again and ascended into heaven so that we, he took the punishment we deserved. Okay, that is the simplicity of grace. The other thing to notice about it is it's a gift. It's on offer. It's free. There's no catch. There's no catch. It's a free God-given gift. And you know, it's on offer every single day that you and I live and breathe. Every single day that you and I live and breathe, grace is on offer. But do you accept or reject the offer? That's the question. It's on offer, and it'll sit there, just like those vermicelli nests will sit there on that shelf, probably a lot longer than they thought. But the love of Jesus is on offer for you and me today. No expense spared other than by God. It's free for you. It's free for you. God paid it all. Jesus paid the price. 
So one of the lines in the song is, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? And I wrestled a little bit with what passages to use for this morning's talk, because the Bible is all about God's grace. The Bible is all about God abundantly offering his love, his, his, his family, his presence, and his mercy. So we're going to start with a song of Zechariah in Luke's Gospel. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to it at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. I am going to read from the message translation. Just a little bit of background. There's a gap of around 400 years between the, new, the Old and the New Testament. So seemingly God has gone quiet. Maybe this morning, maybe, maybe throughout your life you thought, well, God's gone quiet. I'm struggling to hear what God's got to say to me. Well, there's a 400-year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And silence often can teach us an awful lot when we sit and think. Zechariah was one of 18,000 priests, and in his old age, he was told his wife was going to have a child and that this child was going to be called John. But Zechariah was about 80 years old and didn't believe it. He went, there's no chance, like Victor Meldrew. I don't believe it. That's an old racist reference. Zechariah didn't believe it, and so the angel said, right, okay, you won't be able to speak until the day of your son's birth. And so for nine months, Zechariah was silent. Nine months of quiet. Maybe reflection, maybe a struggle, maybe for everyone around him it was a blessing. You know, maybe it was a blessing. But he wasn't able to speak. It echoes that time of silence. But the day finally comes and Elizabeth, his wife, says, we're going to call this baby boy John. And everyone goes, what? There's no one in your family called John. The tradition is you're named after your father. It should be Zechariah. Right, we need to go and see Zechariah and get his information on this. And they went to Zechariah and said, Zechariah, Elizabeth's going to call him John. What do you think? And he got a tablet and he wrote on it, his name will be John. And immediately he was able to speak. And he praises God with these words. These are his first words for nine months, okay? Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79 says this. Then Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, his servant. Just as he promised long ago through the preaching of his holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies and every hateful hand, mercy to our fathers as he remembers to do what he said he'd do, what he swore to our father Abraham, a clean rescue from the enemy camp so we can worship him without a care in the world, made holy before him as long as we live. And you, my child, prophet of the highest, will go ahead of the master to prepare his ways. Present the offer of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins. Through the heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, then showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. That song is a real prayer of praise to God. But it's also saying, John, you're going to prepare the way of Jesus. John, you're going to come and declare Jesus is coming and who Jesus is. And his praise echoes the God that is the same today, yesterday and tomorrow. What do we learn from that prayer, that praise? It's this, he sets the people free. He sets the people free. 
He sets the power of salvation in the center of our lives. He gives deliverance from enemies and hateful hands, mercy to fathers, and he remembers his promises. He promises a clean rescue from the enemy camp so we can worship him without worrying. Do you know, it's always good to be reminded of what's already happened. You know, when you watch a program or a film, I love a recap. Anyone likes like a recap? No, just me? I like a recap. Happy Valley, you might not uh, like the, the program, but uh, was it about eight, nine years ago it first was, like, last was on? So in eight and nine years, I, I can't remember what's happened. I'm getting old. So I need a recap. I need someone to refresh my memory, to tell me what's going on and to say actually what's happened. Yeah, would you agree? A recap is a good thing. What I don't like is at the end of a program when they show you what's going to come next. What's the point in that? I don't want to see what's going to happen. I want to be on the edge of my seat knowing. So The Apprentice is a nightmare, isn't it? Because you know who's going to still be in because it shows you things from the series. Recap's a good thing. A recap is a good thing. Because it's difficult when you've not known for a long time. Well, it's always good to be reminded of what's already happened. And actually, that's what Zechariah's prayer does. He reminds the people around him, God has rescued. And God will rescue. God has given us power and he will continue to give us power and strength. He reminds us of all the things, mercy to the fathers, deliverance from enemies, remembers his promises. So Zechariah gives a recap before Jesus arrives on the scene. It's a good recap, isn't it? It's a good reminder of what's already happened. So if you're a Christian this morning, then the closest to the darkness you get is the world that we live in. Yeah? When you're a Christian, it says Jesus comes and lives in our hearts. Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah? The light of the world. The light moves in and the darkness can't live. Sets the power of salvation in the center of our lives. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. But there are times, aren't there, in life when the darkness of the world seems to come closer. Anyone experience that? There are times when the darkness of the world we live in seems to come closer. Even as Christians, we're not exempt from that. You look through the Bible, the Bible isn't a promise of the perfect life lived now. The Bible is the promise of a perfect place in the future. But his kingdom come now, that we can have the strength to cope. So it's in those times that we need a recap on what he's already done. Would you agree? When you're sitting in those times where it seems dark, when you're sitting in those moments where you feel that there's not a lot of hope, that's when we need a recap. That's when we need to go back and say, but what has God already done? Because I can tell you now, if we focus on the problems that we're in right now, we'll lose sight of the Saviour who was and is and is to come. If we sit and focus on the problems, we'll sink without trace. What's a recap we could look at? We can say, well, it's not finished yet. We can say it's not finished. We can say he's already won. He has the victory. When things have gone pear-shaped and we feel lost, we can remember how far we've come. I think the ladies heard Steph share her story at Ladies' Day. And actually, she shared how right at the moment, there's a real difficult situation in her life. But actually, she can look back at how far she's come. She can recap on her journey so far and she can give thanks to God for what he's done. So here's the first offer that I make today. Okay, you ready for your first offer? The first offer is this. 
Zechariah was praising God over his new baby boy, prophesying what was coming next, and he says these words, you, my child, will go ahead of the master to prepare his ways, present the offer of salvation to his people. What's on offer? The forgiveness of God. There's the offer. It's on the table. It's there. You can accept it or reject it. But you can't just leave it there, because by leaving it there, you're rejecting it. The offer is on the table. Forgiveness of God for the sins of the past. Now, sin is a word that is really old-fashioned. And sometimes sin is a word that we don't completely understand because we think, oh, it's naughty things or it's the bad things we do. No, the Bible consistently describes sin as a word that means missing God's best. Not going in the direction God would want us to. Missing his desires for us. In fact, it's separation. Separation and who breaks the power of separation? Jesus. Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with God, to bring us back into the family of God. What breaks the power of separation? The King of Glory. Have you ever been away from someone that you love? Yeah? Chloe's nodding her head. She's been away from me for three days. It's very sad. That's awful, isn't it? But you're meeting Michael now. Okay, right. So have you ever been away from someone you love? Well, you know, today it's amazing, isn't it? You've got WhatsApp, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mobile phones, texting, video, FaceTime, Skype. Yeah? I'm just looking at you because you're my tech genius, obviously. Letters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah? But what's the best part after that period of separation? What's the best moment? A hug coming back into the presence of the person that you're missing, yeah? Would you agree? So actually coming back in to the presence of the person that you're missing, nothing beats that moment when separation is no more. Would you agree? Yeah? That's what Jesus came to bring. Nothing beats the moment when separation from God is no more. Jesus died so we could come back into communication properly with God. Sin is separation. Sin brings separation. But there's verses, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and me. He offers forgiveness and he says, come and be family. He breaks the power and that's what's on offer. You can refuse the offer, but my question to you is, why would you? Why would you? Why would you refuse such an offer? I could understand you're not wanting vermicelli nests, five for three pounds. That's a rubbish offer. Well, who would refuse the offer of chains broken, of pasts forgiven, of separation being no more, of being able to come into the presence of God? That's what's on offer. That's breaking the power of sin, separation, and darkness. It says at the end of his song, God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death. What's going to happen? The light of God will break through. If you're sitting in the shadow of death this morning, that sounds like a pretty dark place to be. But as Christians, even though we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to fear any evil. Why? Because he has won. And he is the comfort. He 
brings back together. He unites and he brings love. Who breaks the power of darkness? What breaks the power of darkness? Yeah? Light. Where there is any light, there can be no complete darkness. Would you agree? That even the slightest glimmer, there can be no darkness. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. So in him there is no darkness. So if this morning you feel like you're sitting in the shadow of death, just know that his light will break through. That's what's on offer. That's what's on the table. That's what he wants to give us. Jesus is the light of the world. So this is amazing grace. What's the amazing grace? It's his gift of stopping separation and bringing light to the darkness. This is what Zachariah saw and knew what was going to be offered. Do you know, but your own story can be the best way of communicating that. Your own experience of darkness into light is the best way to share it. Our own stories can be the best way of seeing that the darkness is gone or going and that we now belong to a family. Would you agree? So we need to start sharing it. We need to start sharing our own story. A man called Andrew Ollerton often speaks at Keswick. He's a lecturer down south in theology and he's an author. And this week in a magazine, he was talking about the gospel and how even he sometimes finds it difficult to share his faith. But he he wrote this. He said, recently I went to the pub with friends I play football with. When they asked me what I do for a living, instead of sidestepping the question, I replied this. I help people understand the Bible. Awkward silence. Then one of the lads said he'd done religious studies at A-level and he remembered the Gospels. And this lad said, there's four of them, right? That's right, Andrew replied. And that alone is enough to convince me. What do you mean, said the lad. Well, said Andrew, in the ancient world, writing on parchments was incredibly expensive. Even a great Roman emperor would only at the most deserve a couple of short biographies. So, said the lad, well, for a Jewish carpenter brutally crucified at a young age to get four detailed biographies, something nuclear must have happened. Something nuclear must have happened. Not might have happened, must have happened. Luke's gospel that we've just read was written by a doctor. He wasn't just some uneducated guy. He was a doctor. He wrote acts that we're going to read from in a minute too. What happened? What was the nuclear thing that happened? Amazing grace. God's love, God's gift, God's offer of total and complete forgiveness and love. That's what happened. The breaking of separation the breaking of darkness, worth talking about, I think, yeah? Do you know what else it's worth doing? It's worth singing about, and that's why we sing. We don't sing because we just like the songs. Some of them are pretty good. But we sing because it's worth singing about the Saviour who loves us and saying, God, you're just amazing. Even right now, some people are still singing at Anfield. That's Liverpool's football ground, for those of you who are in the know. Some people are still singing 
It's not worth it at the moment. But you know what? It's always going to be worth singing about Jesus. Always. Because he is amazing. A humble carpenter got four detailed biographies. And that's enough to convince a doctor of theology. Think about it. So I thought it would be good as I finish to see an example that Jesus has broken the power of sin and darkness. Some of you might have heard the name of Saul in the Bible. Here's the first mention of Saul, okay? It says this. He was a young Jewish man. I'm not reading the Bible yet. This is just me. This is background. A young Jewish man who knew the law. He had power. He had position. He was very intelligent. And he was rising to prominence. And he is first mentioned when Stephen is stoned for his faith. And it says this. Acts chapter 7, verses 58 to chapter 8, verse 1, says this in the message again. It says, Yelling and hissing, the mob drowned out Stephen. Now in full stampede, they dragged him out of town and pelted him with rocks. The ringleaders took off their coats and asked a young man named Saul to watch them. As the rocks rained down, Stephen prayed, Master Jesus, take my life. Then he knelt down, praying loud enough for everyone to hear, Master, don't blame them for this sin. His last words, then he died. Saul was right there congratulating the killers. So that's the first mention of Saul. Sounds like a nice bloke. Saul was right there congratulating the killers. That sounds pretty stuck in darkness to me, would you agree? This week in Barrow, we've been in the news for all sorts of reasons. And it started with windows smashed of people on one side, and now it's gone to the other way, and people are now damaging other people's property. None of that is good. All of that is rooted in darkness. All of that, whatever your, whatever your beliefs, whatever anything happens to damage and to hate and to throw and to break, that's dark. That's dark. Hate or stirring up trouble and dislike is never a good look. But Saul, congratulating killers, standing there giving them his approval. And let's not just sit looking at Saul disapprovingly. Let's look at the dark areas of our own life where maybe there's a little bit of distrust or dislike or discord, places where we stir up problems. But it goes on to say this, it gets worse. Acts chapter 8, verses 3 to 8, and Saul just went wild devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail. Listen to those words again. Saul devastated the church. He put people in prison. He tried to inflict separation on people for their faith. He was on a path of trying to destroy God's family. I put it to you that he is a most unlikely person to ever be changed. There's darkness, yeah? There's definite separation and problems. But towards the end of Acts, he's before King Agrippa. Why is he before King Agrippa? Because he's been sharing his own faith. He's now called Paul instead of Saul. And he says this, answering the hate and accusations of the priests and Jewish leaders that he once worked for. This is what he says. Acts chapter 26, verses 9 to 20. I admit that I didn't always hold to this position. 
For a time, I thought it was my duty to oppose this Jesus of Nazareth with all my might. Maybe that echoes the feelings of some of us in this room, that we have opposed Jesus of Nazareth with all our might. Backed with the full authority of the high priests, I threw these believers, I had no idea they were God's people, into the Jerusalem jail, right and left. And whenever it came to a vote, I voted for their execution. I stormed through their meeting places, bullying them into cursing Jesus, a one-man terror, obsessed with obliterating these people. And then I started on the towns outside Jerusalem. Pretty hate-filled, yeah? Pretty dark. One day, on my way to Damascus, armed as always with papers from the high priests authorising my action, right in the middle of the day, a blaze of light... Light outshining, in, in the, outshining the sun poured out of the sky on me and my companions. Oh, King, it was so bright. We fell flat on our faces. Who breaks the power of darkness? Jesus. Then I heard a voice in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Why do you insist on going against the grain? I said, who are you, Master? The voice answered, I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down like an animal. But now, up on your feet, I've got a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and witness to what's happened today and to what I am going to show you. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I couldn't just walk away from an offer like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus. Went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. This morning, choose light. Choose dark. Choose God, not choose dark. Choose light, not darkness. Choose God. What was Paul offered? He was sent to present Jesus' offer. What's Jesus' offer? Forgiven sins and a place in the family. An end to separation and an end to darkness. He breaks the power of separation and welcomes in real living. And what did you say real living is? Believing in Jesus. Just note one thing. The decision that made that Paul says, I couldn't walk away from a vision like that. It had to be accepted, 100%. And in accepting it, Paul lost some of his position. He lost some of his privilege. He swapped a life of authority with people for a life of obedience to God. He had it tough. He was threatened with death, imprisonment, shipwreck, and ill health. But he lived with the confidence of knowing he was no longer separated. He was no longer hate-filled and violent. Do you know, there's a story of darkness and sin broken, isn't it? There's a story of a life turned around. And today, Jesus is still the answer. And today, the offer is still the same. Sin's forgiven and a welcome into his family. That is what's on offer this morning. 
If you're a Christian as we approach Easter, it's important to examine ourselves again and to do a recap on where we are. Something happened to make a doctor write the book of Luke and the book of Acts, to use his time and his expense to document the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the beginnings of the church. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the position. And his offer still stands. The power of salvation at the centre of our lives, the forgiveness of the past, present and future, the welcome into family as a son and daughter of the king in a blaze of light, banishing darkness from our lives. Stop shutting the curtains. It was so bright. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Jesus, the king of glory. This is amazing grace. Will you accept that offer? Or is our response... I'm out. Or maybe our response is, I'm only halfway in. He wants to offer you 100% of his love this morning. He wants to offer you all that he gave. He gave his life. The question is, are you in? Paul said, I couldn't just walk away. Will we walk away this morning? Or will we say, I need you, Lord. I need you. Let's pray. If there's a, maybe this morning you've never really thought about the offer of God's love for you. I'm just going to pray and all we need to do when we come to God is to be part of that is say God I'm sorry for the things I've done I accept that Jesus died and rose for me I want to have him as Lord of my life and I thank you that you will be with me from now till the end of the age nothing will separate us from the love of God so Father God I pray for your words this morning I pray for your message of love and I pray for your truth that you offer a past wiped out, a future secure, a present living in reality of your kingdom now. Help us to hear the offer. Father, take away any words of mine that have mixed it up. But Father, help us to hear the offer and say, I'm in. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer this morning, the worship team are going to come up. If you want prayer this morning, then the prayer team will be at the back. If you want to know more, last week I believe two people gave their lives to Jesus in this place, which is brilliant. Yeah, it's worth a clap. But as we finish this morning, if you want prayer, if you're a Christian and you think, actually, I need to examine that darkness in me, I need to see more light, then Go and receive prayer. If you've never been to church before, if you're, if you're not a Christian or if you don't know what it's about, go and speak to somebody on the prayer team and they'll help you to, to accept or help you to say the prayer that Jesus would, that, that would say, Jesus, come into my life. So uh, let's, let's pray, let's sing, let's worship, and let's remember Jesus.